1: LeBron James's pursuit of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record should be a big deal, a really big deal. But it won't garner near the attention and celebration it should because LeBron has damaged the popularity of basketball. He's made us evaluate athletes in a way that exposes their shortcomings. LeBron wants to be judged as more than an athlete. He's pointing us to his flaws and the flaws of athletes. It's the equivalent of me wanting you to judge me as more than a talk show host or writer. It's like me wanting to be a underwear model or porn star. No one wants to see that. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday uh, to you and yours. Man, we are inching closer and closer and closer uh, to the weekend. I can, smell, I can smell the weekend, it's just around the corner. Uh, I hope you guys are excited as I am, as we prepare you for the weekend with a great Thursday feast of a show. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Shamika Michelle will be here. Uh, Virgil Walker, he'll be here. As will uh, the late, great uh, Korean co Steve Kim. We're going to stack the show a tiny bit different today. I'm actually not going to start the fire until uh, maybe the middle of the show when we bring on Steve Kim. I'll get into my LeBron topic. We're, we're going to stack it a bit different today. I want to talk about my appearance on uh, Tucker Carlson last night because Tucker brought up a great topic of conversation about uh, Tiffany Cross and, and Joy Reed or the ladies I call racial mad owls over at MSNBC. Uh, he brought that up last night on his show and had me on as a guest and we talked about it. Uh, the other thing I wanna talk about today is uh, T.D. Jakes, uh, the very well-known minister uh, from Texas, He's passing on the reins to his Woman, Thou Art loosed uh, ministry to his daughter. And so that's why I'm bringing in Virgil to get a take. T.D. Jakes one of these big time mega church leaders, uh, elevated, big high profile mega church leader. I, I've, I was aware of Woman, Thou Art Loose when it first came out. I was living in Kansas City. And... Uh, the woman I was dating at the time, that book and and that whole ministry around that was a big deal to her. And she talked about it constantly. And here's the books and here's the video and here's all blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're going to get Virgil Walker's professional take on T.D. Jakes. Uh, and then we'll. Talk some sports with Steve Kim, starting with uh, LeBron James, but also there's a, a Tom Brady discussion I want to have where Chris Sims, I believe, has predicted or said there's a possibility that Tom Brady could quit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers midseason. I find that interesting. Want to get Steve Kim's take on all that and more. Uh, but again, we're going to start the show stacking it a tiny bit different and I get to, that means I now get to tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Uh, now that we're moving into the holiday season, Thanksgiving's not that far off. Christmas isn't that far off. Halloween is just a few days away, and Good Ranchers is celebrating with an October feast, uh, and they're offering you the opportunity to avoid all that spooky stuff that comes with grocery store meat bought, where you don't know where it comes from, it says it's been inspected by USDA approved and all that. You don't know what it is, and you don't know where it comes from. You don't know what bacteria might be in that food. You know where you can get meat that you can trust, that you know is American, raised, born, cultivated, developed, and is high quality? My friends at Good Ranchers, their October fees, you can get over four pounds of meat for free. Two pounds of their Wagyu ground beef, two and a half pounds of their Better Than Organic Chicken, all for free with any purchase of one of their bundle boxes. Treat yourself this Halloween and head over to, to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless to claim your special October Feast offer today. Good Ranchers lets you save $25 on every box and locks in your price when you subscribe. We just got a Huge shipment of Good Ranchers here to our office uh, because one, we're having a huge cookout on Monday uh, and so we're entertaining some people here and and so we just got a huge shipment of Good Ranchers here. You need a huge shipment sent to your home. Get your four free pounds of high-quality beef and chicken. The real monster in October. It ain't under your, bread, under your bed, it's not in your closet, it's not some trick-or-treater dressed at your door in some crazy costume. It's that garbage meat you're buying at the grocery store when you could be getting it delivered right to your home from Good Ranches, American Meat delivered, one of my favorite sponsors, probably my favorite sponsor because I love to eat, uh, <laughs> and I love their meat, and they make it so convenient. And they're big supporters. They're day one. They're what you guys have heard people talk about day one. They're a day one supporter of Fearless and this show and our point of view. Hop on over to GoodRanchers.com slash Fearless. Save $25. Lock in your price forever. Get that more than four pounds of free meat. Be a good fearless soldier. All right. Uh, we're going to transition into uh, my conversation last night uh, with Tucker Carlson. Uh, I don't know. Tucker did an incredible monologue last night on what's been going on over at MSNBC as that network has become, um, I don't know, what would you call it? The the Black Panther Party of t- TV networks? Uh, <laughs> uh, the, I don't know, it, it's, it's, they're promoting a racial narrative over there using Joy Reid, and now Tiffany Cross, to say some of the most racist things about white people, and no one's batted an eye, Tucker Carlson's batted an eye, and uncorked a monologue last night that tried to bring people's attention like, this is unprecedented, this is racist, and it is. What they're doing over there is racist. Racism flows all directions. I really, I've been arguing to people. We need to quit talking about racism and talk about racial idolatry, because idolatry is what we're really looking at. And anybody, again, we've reduced racism. Well, that that only flows one direction against black people. Racism's not a biblical term; idolatry is, and all of us that are sinners, and that's all of us, are capable of idolatry and making our race an idol. Or the mistake I made, making food an idol of mine, making sex an idol of mine. Anything can be turned into an idol, things you place ahead of God, something that you you have more respect to, more, more in common with you, take more pride in than your relationship with God. That's what we have going on here in America, a lot of racial idolatry. We call it racism, but it's really idolatry. And MSNBC is an idolatrous network with a couple of women uh, running rampant with their racial idolatry. Anyway, let's take a listen uh, to Tucker Carlson parts of Tucker Carlson's monologue last night. Apparently on the left, what you're about to see is considered completely normal, even good.
0: And that should worry you deeply. You don't want to live in Rwanda. But on MSNBC, they're already there. Now you probably knew about Joy Reid, the race lady, who's been fixated on race hate for years now. But MSNBC has a new host, someone called Tiffany Cross, who hosts a show called The Cross Connection. Here's a selection.
2: Many of us have seen the dangers when powerful white people decide they want something, they annex it. And they've never had a problem replacing the people who stand in their way.
1: We see American white people are are going crazy, they're going, they're resorting to violence. This is literally what conservative white folks do when they don't get their way, they turn violent.
2: White people deputizing themselves in some position of authority to have jurisdiction over their life when they need to mind their blanking business. I don't think it's our responsibility to be tasked with destroying and dismantling the uh, racial oppression that's against us. That's just saying we're more at fault than the white people
1: who constructed this system and the white people who continue to practice institutional racism. A majority of white people do not support policies that would unpack and unroll and reform this system of justice. This is what they want. Matt Gates is giving the white folks what they want
2: white replacement can strangle culture. So yes, we should all be concerned about white replacement. It is, after all, a very threat to our
0: survival
1: here. Is there anything worse than white people? Uh, Tucker asks a sarcastic rhetorical question that that is there anything worse than us, than people? of all, turning a blind eye to that kind of out of control racism that actually does more does more harm to black people they're they're sitting there thinking we're harming white people we're talking bad about white people when anybody with a brain that watches that and and eli mistow and whoever the other person was, maybe it was Tiffany Cross. Yeah, when white people don't get what they want, they turn violent. And that, let's, let's say that's true. Let's go there with them and say, you know, that's factual. Can white people not sit there and look at the BLM riots that went on across the country for months? The riots that uh, have gone on in this country since 2014, since the Trayvon Martin verdict didn't go the way that, or was it 2014 or 2013, the Trayvon Martin verdict didn't go the way uh, black people wanted? Mizzou, you you guys remember Ferguson and Mizzou and the University of Missouri and, and the black kid who was homecoming king, the gay black kid, who was named homecoming queen and school president who complained that he was having a racist experience at the University of and He had riots all across that campus and and up people across that campus. You think these people can't say when things don't go black people's way that we turn violent? This is racism. No matter what direction is flowing, And there's a a reason it's taking place, and I tried to unpack that last night on Tucker Carlson. Here's what I said last night to Tucker Carlson. Jason Whitlock is the host of Fearless. He joins us to respond tonight. Jason Whitlock, thanks so much for coming on.
0: This seems, and I'll just be honest, as, as noted, I didn't really know this was happening. I'm not all that interested in hearing people talk about race, and I'm definitely not interested in watching that channel. But once you do watch it, you think, how can this be happening and nobody says anything?
1: Tucker, it's pervasive across corporate media. Uh, It's pervasive in the sports world. It's one of the reasons why I left ESPN and Fox Sports to be quite frank with you and wanted to do my own independent thing because of the way that we talk about race in the corporate media. It's very unhealthy, it's very toxic. It's, it's intended, people have been bought and paid for to undermine this country. Tiffany Cross, Joy Reid, any of the other people doing this type stuff, they know exactly what they're doing. They're doing exactly what they're told to do. They're planting the seeds to make people believe that the American experiment is a failure and the Constitution needs to be rewritten. That's right. And they're using race as their disguise. That's the entire agenda here. They're not hiding it. America is a failure in their mind because the outcomes uh, don't meet their demographic criteria or quotas. And, And so all of this is to bait all of us into a race war and distract us from an attack on America, its constitution, and primarily it's an attack on God. People get upset that, oh, like Christian nationalism. This country was founded on biblical principles, period, end of story. This is a biblical experiment the United States of America, and it has been a success. The atheists, the Marxists, the people hostile to God want to end this biblical experiment and they're using race to tear it down. That's the nuclear weapon. So that's my take, and anybody that's been watching this show closely, fearless, that's been my argument and the narrative I've been trying to take us on this entire time. They're playing a game with race to tear down this country. They don't actually believe the things they're saying, but what they do believe is that they want to rewrite the Constitution because Joy Reid, Tiffany Cross, Eli Mistal, uh the LGBTQ crowd, the Alphabet Mafia, all believe they're 20 to 50 to hundred times smarter than the founding fathers. They, they all believe that they're smarter than God or they don't believe in God. And so they think this group of human beings is the smartest group of people in the history of the planet. It's not true. They believe this group of people are the most moral people in the history of the planet. It's not true, but they believe it. And they believe if they write a constitution, oh my God, it's gonna be so brilliant and so amazing and the outcomes we're gonna get and everybody's gonna get along and everybody, it doesn't matter, you can sit on your rear end, smoke weed, drink Hennessy and be lazy, but once we design this uh, uh, constitution, success will be determined Uh, Based on skin grouping and colors and it all be spread out evenly and it's the designers of this system That have screwed things up. It's not the culture that people embrace Everybody loves this new thing of saying I'm black black and 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 I don't know any You know, I guess Barack Obama and some uh, again, I'm not denigrating them but for the grace of God, or you know, I could very well have a mixed race kid. I'm not trying to denigrate them, but I'm black, black. Both my parents are black. My growing up experience was black. I came from nothing. I adopted some principles that are consistent with the principles that founded this country. That's why I had success. That's why my brother has had success. He may not even know. And again, I'm I'm not speaking for my brother. I I, I hate to even talk about my family because I don't want to put them in the middle of, of this and this kind of attention. But I'm just telling my father. Had success because he adopted principles and values that were consistent with the principles and values that founded this country. And my father was not a Bible thumper. But there's just some simple things you can do. Show up to work on time, every day that you're capable of, watch how much success you have. Don't have kids when you're unmarried. Watch how much success you have. This didn't even apply to my father. Graduate high school. Watch how much success you have. Now, if you join a gang Have a string of baby mamas. Don't graduate from high school. Don't blame racism. Blame yourself, the culture you embrace, being misguided by your family or whatever. That's the issue. There's I'm not saying that there's not racial bias or unfairness, but it swings all directions. But this whole myth that, oh my God, the man is keeping you from success. It's a joke. It's not true. And these people know it. Joy Reid went to an Ivy League college and is getting paid seven figures to do a show that doesn't rate, isn't any good. She's made it. She's black. She's black, black. She's living a very privileged and pampered life. There's virtually no standards that are applied to her or her work. Same. Go- I don't know what Tiffany Cross is making. Probably a half million, whatever. Uh, t- Three hundred thousand. She's doing well enough, particularly for her limited skill set. She's a success. But she's sitting on TV pretending like all oh, this country. If you black, black, you got no chance. It's a joke. It's a ploy. It's a tactic. These people have been bought and paid for by the enemies of the United States that want to see us fall and fail. And they've come up with a great strategy. We're going to package everything. Oh, this country is a failure because of racism. It's been unfair to black people. Rewrite the Constitution. That's the agenda. That's what they're doing. Shamika Michelle, uh, help me out here. Uh, What's your takeaway? I don't know if you saw Tucker's full monologue last night or my appearance on there last night, but. What, what was your takeaway? What do you think Tiffany Cross and Joy Reid are really up to?
2: I agree with you that they are being paid. One of the things that I keep asking myself is if black women are the most educated, if they are the most successful, if they are so happy with the whole, I, I don't need a man, then why are they so angry? Why are these women so angry and stuck in a past, stuck in a reality that they themselves never experienced? It's crazy to me that you can actually Put principles in place that help you get to where you are, and then forget that these principles exist. Forget that you had any faith, any religion, any education, any entrepreneurship, anything that are that's really lined up with conservative values, and then you get to this place of success, but you're still mad. That makes absolutely no sense. And, you know, Jason, you know, a lot of people say that satanic is your favorite word. I don't know if it's your favorite word or if we've just been faced with so many experiences that we have to actually call it out. You know, I've said that, you know, I left the church years ago. But I now find myself feeling like that Ike Turner meme when he looks back because Tina had the audacity to say something that he didn't like. That's how I feel right now because they have come against God so much that I feel like now Ike Turner, like I got to go and slap somebody. What is happening in this country and what's happening over there, as Trump called it MSDNC, now we're going to change it to uh, the Wakanda broadcasting system or something, (laughs) because this is foolishness that they could sit there and say this type of stuff. I I found it funny. There was a part that you didn't play right now, but I saw last night where Tiffany was talking about white women being radicalized. And we have to be aware of the white women that we've put up that may have, you know, that are conservative. And, you know, these women are these uh, terrorists for the country. And I'm thinking, I don't know conservative white women that feel like they need to be on the front lines and taking their men's place. These women just want to be happy, drink, maybe have a beer, have sex, uh, be good wives to their husbands, and raise children that are productive citizens. When we see them at school board meetings, they are fighting for the rights of their kids. This doesn't make them domestic terrorists that we need to be afraid of. When I get pushback, when I talk about the natural order of the family and I talk about women being good wives and mothers, the pushback I get is not from conservative women. It's from black women that don't want to live according to God's law and order. So for her to act as if there's this radicalized white female group conservatives that we need to be worried about, it's just simply not true.
1: So, Shamika, why, and I had this conversation off the air with somebody after last night's appearance, uh, but why is it the black woman that they're putting in these spots to host these shows, why isn't it the black man? Because couldn't they pay a black man to promote all the same things? But they seem to be putting Joy Reid and Tiffany Cross, and before that, what was it, the light-skinned college professor, Melissa Harris-Perry, they seem to be putting these women in these spots to do this. Is it because they're perhaps more pliable or, or more easily controlled or manipulated? Why the black woman being the front and center for this message?
2: I do think that they're more easily controlled, but I think they've bought into the message that the black man is beneath them. So why not use them? Why not continue to overlook the black black man as we have for decades? And so I think because they've bought into the message, hook, line and sinker, they're the best person for the job. You know, I don't think that you would continually tell a black man or get a black man to say, Um, he ain't shit or, you know, push that kind of message. But it's very easy to find a black woman who is willing to push that and buy into that narrative. So I think the black women are the best person for the job when it comes to getting that type of message of division across and that message of oppression. I I just don't think most people with logic will do that for very long. I mean, unless you're somebody like Don um, Lemon, you know who has really bought into it, but has, as you would say, he um, hates hates the loves tree, the but loves the fruit. Yeah. Lo-
1: yeah, loves the fruit, hate the tree. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, when I say tree, emphasize the tree. He loves the tr- oh, well. No, nah, okay. I'm sorry. He loves the tree and the
2: fruit. <laughs> right. He has wood a new meaning.
1: I'm gonna go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go there. To- you know what? See, I'm. I, let me stop. Shamika, thank you. Great job. Uh, As always, uh, thank you so much. All right, uh, let me get back uh, in in the proper mindset. Uh, Tell you about our good friend over at Nugenics. Getting older is a very big adjustment. It's like you're young and healthy, and then at some point you realize it's hard to keep being healthy. Next thing you know, you realize you're not so young, but you're really not old. Then it gets worse. You might get more of a dad bod, or early 2000s Whitlock, (laughs) Bob. And it's suddenly harder to work out. It's not your fault. It was mid-age. Our bodies naturally lose free testosterone. That's because when you were younger, you were at the peak of your testosterone level and production. Wouldn't it be nice to get that winner's edge again and that old swagger back in your step? Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. It will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really wanna be. Nugenics Total T contains man-boosting key ingredients like testofen, which has been validated in five clinical studies. Because Nugenics Total T boosts the free testosterone that the aging process robs you of, you'll feel stronger and leaner with more energy and drive. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text FEARLESS to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermal, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with ingredients to help you get back into shape fast. Absolutely free. Text FEARLESS to 231-231. 231. That's fearless to 231-231. All right, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notifications to subscribe. Uh, Don't miss the cookout. (laughs) Fearless is hosting its first ever cookout Monday, October 24th. Fearless soldiers Delano Squire, Shamika Michelle, TJ Moe, and Pastor Anthony Walker will join Jason Whitlock for That's me, (laughs) Jason Whitlock. Will join me for a live two hour panel discussion. 6 to 8 PM, we have invited actor Nick Searcy, rapper Bryson Gray, country rocker Aaron Lewis, am I the only one, probably my favorite song in the past year, to stop by the festivities, food, fun, spirits, and a lively conversation. You're invited to the cookout. Virgil Walker, next. All right, welcome back. Uh, We're gonna roll out to Atlanta and bring in uh, Virgil Walker, fearless soldier, and one of the foremost experts on the ministry, I believe. He works with G3 Ministries, and I like to tap into Virgil's uh, national, really global understanding of Christianity and the ministries impacting Christianity And I found a story uh, this week that interested me. Uh, T.D. Jakes, very prominent mega church pastor uh, in the Dallas, Texas area. Uh, He has turned over his Woman Thou Art Loosed uh, ministry. Uh, And that's kind of like a special offshoot of of his ministry that he started some 25 years ago, I believe, with the release of a book that was a bestseller and wildly popular and really elevated. T.D. Jakes has had a big brand, but that Woman Thou Art Loose deal, I feel like really turned him into a megastar. And now he's turning it over to his daughter, Sarah. Uh, And I wanted to get Virgil's take on what we should make of this. I've never fully understood the Woman Thou Art Loose Uh, ministry or the whole messaging behind it. And I I told you guys at the top of the show at the time that it came out, I was dating a woman who loved this book, loved T.D. Jakes and was, you know, all excited about it and talked about it nonstop. And there was, I think there was a movie that came out and I remember she made me watch it. And anyway, so if, if, Virgil, if you could start by just unpacking a little of the history around T.D. Jakes and Woman Thou Art Loosed, uh, if you yeah, can get us yeah, up to Jakes, speed on that, then me. I have some more questions.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- thanks for having me. You're, you're exactly right that in saying that uh, the Woman Thou Art Loosed kind of sermon, uh, that it, re- it really began as a sermon uh, at, uh, that I actually heard preached live at Azusa uh, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma years ago. Uh, he Jakes was connected, uh, to the ministry of one Carlton Pearson, uh, higher dimensions evangelistic center there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, he would have his Azusa conferences. And this was the conference where all the major pastors and preachers would come and, you know, they give their, they give their best sermons. And of course, Jakes knocked it out of the ballpark with his woman thou art loose sermon. It was not the first time he had delivered that message but it was the first time in a massive setting that he delivered that uh, and as a result you know it, it it got traction and and began to take off in you know the mid mid 90s early 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 to mid Crystallized 90s crystallize
1: that message
3: crystallize yeah, that message what was the point yeah, of it? basically the whole point of the message is, is, is really kind of steeped in, uh, kind of a hermeneutic of suffering. And what I mean by that is simply, you know, woman you've suffered for far too long. Uh, you've had, you know, men treat you badly. Your work doesn't understand you. People don't get you, you, you know, your best friends leaving you, something's wrong with you, everything you're, you're broke, busted and disgusted. And, and what you really need is to be loosed and set free. And so I'm here as TD Jake's to loose you from your past, from whatever has held you back. Uh, now you are loosed and set free to fully self-actualize who you truly are, who 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 the Bible says you are, who God says you are, who who you know yourself to be, uh, and and live out you know uh, kind of like your your best life now. Being and of course in, in our in our common day vernacular, it's all about a woman being on her purpose. And so it, it's that that's kind of that's kind of the message. One of the things I wanted, I wanted so to connect. Let me documents. ask you this,
1: Virgil. Let okay. me ask you this before. So he delivers this sermon. And does he then immediately start marrying women in his congregation and finding husbands for them? Is, was that probably the point of the message he was delivering to. Because, you know, black men and women just aren't getting married, as as I can testify, the way that we used to. So I'm sure this sermon was intended to promote marriage and the nuclear family
3: structure. I'm sure it absolutely was not. uh, It it really was not in any way, shape or form about biblical womanhood. Uh, A woman who loves God, finds a husband and is committed to raising a family. It it really is. uh, it, It really begins with kind of the color purpling, if you will, of you know of, of the woman's state that she's misused and abused, and that she needs to be loosed and kind of set free. And and uh, yeah, as a result, she self actualizes. Uh, you know, this is what kind of kind of uh, black uh, womanhood was w- was all about. Kind of Christian feminism, black Christian womanism, really comes out of this. And and, and I'll even I'll even attach this that, and something something that, that that I thought about during the last segment. A lot of what you're seeing uh, from from women who are now on the front lines in corporate settings, on news channels, and the like, the, the theological seeds were sown with 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 organizations, with preaching sermons, with with conferences like Woman Now at Loose. What you what you just talked about with Shamika. In the, in the previous segment where you talked about the, the, the racism and all of that, that, that people are on the, on the television talking about, those are the same women. I promise you, if you talk to those women, they think T.D. Jakes is the best thing since sliced bread. And they would validate a lot of the spiritual theological framework for their current ideology. They would point back to things like woman thou art loosed that were the seedbed for helping them coming to come to a, a clear understanding of, of their full purpose.
1: So when you you're sitting there in Oklahoma, Tulsa, and you're hearing this sermon, were you sitting there going, this is a hot mess? Or at the time, were you thinking
3: this is a great sermon? Yeah. I mean, at, at the time, because I was connected to all the emotionalism uh, of, of, of black church culture, uh, you know, you hear folks hollering and screaming and jumping and shouting, you know, you, you're, you're connected to it. Uh, you're thinking this is this is great. Rather than understanding the man has spoken for, for you know, 90 minutes and has not opened a Bible. Uh, you know, the, the handful of Bible verses that he used are out of context in an effort to promote women rather than helping women to understand that what they need to be doing is repenting of sin, placing their faith in Christ and following him. Uh, one of the things that that you know that 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 is important to women is that they recognize that they're accountable for the condition that they're in. Women need to understand that. Men need to understand that. And what the Bible does, what Christianity does, is lays the foundation for for everyone being sinful and in need of a savior. That was not the message that was delivered with "Woman Thou Art Loosed." And so, as as Jake's passes the torch uh, to his daughter. She is really the embodiment of all of the things he's preached about for the last 25 plus years. Mm. And so, you know, I'm listening to this
1: and your explanation and, and I'm having the epiphany of the realization of like, so this is why, and again, I'm not excusing my behavior I'm just telling you what was going on in my mind at the time, late 80s, early 90s. It's like, oh, so this is why I wasn't attracted to the church in my early 20s uh, and why I used to go to Chicago for Savior's Day and listen to Farrakhan talk about the accountability of men and what men should be doing. And, and again, not justifying it, I'm not co-signing his ministry, but it was a masculine ministry that demanded that black men take responsibility for our behavior and our community and things like, and I was attracted to it. And so if, if the biggest black Christian ministers were preaching what Jake's is, this is why I... Had little to no
3: interest. Right, you're, you're exactly right, Jason. I like you. Late '80s, early '90s. I was I was listening to, to to Savior's Day and Farrakhan. I was you know reading the Final Call, running into the brothers on the street corner with the bow ties and the you know and and the Final Call and connecting with them because they were speaking to men. What we have now with this with with this feminization of Christianity is black churches, predominantly black churches, have been hollowed out. From, from having men i mean you go go and look at the statistics somewhere in the neighborhood of, of most black churches most of your large black churches are running anywhere between 60 to 80 percent are women single women who are in those churches and and the messages reflect that not only from a standpoint of of the feminization of christianity and the elevation of womanism and womanhood but what the other part that you're seeing is is even anything that leads to any kind of accountability we've talked about it on this on the show where the Jamal Bryans of the world are preaching a message of, of pro-choice, that a woman should have the right to, to choose to, to, to murder her child in the womb because that's her God-given choice. You know, so so all, of, all of what you're seeing, unfortunately, in black church culture points to the elevation, the idolization of, of women uh, and, and this this event, the woman, woman thou at loose is no different. Um, you know, the, the the passing of the torch again, Jake's daughter, she's she, she, she's a she's an entrepreneur. She's a businesswoman. And her her message is you can have it all. You can have it all. It, it is not it is not the promotion of, you know, you know what, ladies, you, you can't have it all. Right. What you can have is what God has designed for you to have finding your purpose in worshiping God, getting worship right. I, I, know, I know that you you and Chalk, Knox talked about how, how important it is to get worship right. Get your worship right. Build the family structure. Connect husband and wife together. See that children are raised and, and build in that framework. That's the very foundation by which the country was made. Uh, that's the very foundation. That's the, Shamika said it. That's God's order. And when we follow that, we'll be blessed in that.
1: Wasn't expecting you to connect this conversation to my conversation with Shamika, but you're a thousand percent right. There's great synergy. There is a connection because you help. Because one of the things I didn't bring up with Shamika is just like, I know that Joy Reid grew up in the church and grew up a Christian. And I've watched her over at MSNBC abandon all of that and basically what you're telling me is, in her mind, she's abandoned nothing. She's basically following the leadership of T.D. Jakes, of Al Sharpton, who you know claims to be a minister, and they're all promoting this feminist agenda. And, and so again, they don't feel like they're violating any godly principles with no. the stuff that they're supporting. And, and, and it's probably why you know, to connect all the dots is why Stacey Abrams is sitting around saying, you know what, for black women, abortion uh, is a financial issue and an economic issue. It's a way to fight inflation. And we got to mm-hmm. kill these babies so
3: we can be happier and, yep. and have more money. That's, that's exactly right. That, that, that's the connection. What's happened with, with 25 plus years of teaching that's, that's taken place at places like this, at woman, thou art loose, with men like I mentioned, Jamal Bryant uh, and, and, and others that, that that we could name and have named by name, they have laid the theological framework that underpins what you're seeing in culture with women who are successful. They've adopted all of the all of the the you know get better in your job, get better in, in you know in life. They've adopted all of those ideas, put them into practice, and 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 become better corporate executives as a result. And and then add that to, you know, the the Me Too culture, the the CRT culture, that's the the feminized culture that we live in that has elevated these women into platforms and places where they're speaking now, quote unquote, their truth rather than the gospel, rather than the Bible, because they didn't learn those things. What they learned was self-empowerment with Jesus sprinkled on the top. So they feel empowered to deliver the message that they're currently delivering. And to the point you just made, they feel absolutely no disconnection from it theologically, socially, or otherwise. Thank you, Virgil.
1: Great job. Needed that Thank explanation. You. get the full context, the full picture here. That was awesome. Thank you so much. I, I'm very edified by that. All right, you can get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com fearless. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you how to pay your mortgage with uh, BetDSI. Uh, pay your mortgage picks All right, welcome back. Time to pivot to a little sports. And because the weekend's almost here, I want to prepare you for the football weekend uh, with some of my best picks uh, for the football weekend. Bet DSI is bringing you this episode. Uh, you can visit them at betdsi.com. The NFL is back, and Bet DSI is where you can bet and make extra money right now. My audience gets a 100% bonus match up to $1,000 a 100% bonus match up to $1,000. That is double your money with the promo code WITLOCK. That's W-H-I-T-L-O-C-K, WITLOCK. Bet with me on the NFL, NBA, MMA, my favorite politics. Play, win, get paid. If you want the opportunity to win big money, please visit betdsi.com. Use the promo code WITLOCK for a 100% match guarantee up to $1,000. You can even bet on the elections. BetDSI has been a leader in the industry for over a decade, and we are happy to have them on board. Go to BetDSI.com, promo code Whitlock. That's BetDSI, promo code Whitlock. Do it responsibly. You're just having fun. Although, if you listen to me, you'll have some extra cash in your pocket. Help pay your mortgage. All right, I got my pay your mortgage picks for this week. Uh, Last week, I was one and two. Last week, I was one and two. Uh, For the season, I'm 2-3-1. That's 2-3-1. I'm not ashamed of my record. Uh, Off to a slightly slow start, but I'm going to get red hot this week. Uh, We'll start with the Jets at the Broncos. The Jets are getting one point. I love the Jets here. Robert Sala puts a clown suit on Russell Wilson. Who isn't putting a clown suit on Russell Wilson? And you think Robert Sala, the head coach of the... Uh, New York Jets isn't going to put one on Russell Wilson. You're crazy. Of course he is. He's a defensive guru. The Jets defense is playing incredible. Let's admit, and it's time, Russ can't cook. Uh, my other prediction for this week: Nathaniel Hackett gets fired Sunday night. That thing is over. They can't blame Russ. They gave up too much to get him. They're paying him too much. Nathaniel Hackett gets uh, gets fired this Sunday night. Pay your mortgage, Jets plus the point. All right, game number two, Falcons, plus six and a half at the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, the the Falcons made a believer out of me last week. I've been very skeptical of the Falcons. They beat up the San Francisco 49ers. Embarrassed me. The Falcons, they're three and three. They're 11 points from being undefeated. Their biggest loss has been by six points. Joe Burrow, I've been critical of him all year. He still has plenty to prove to me. I know the Bengals have kind of righted their ship, but Joe Burrow still has things to prove. I'm not sold. Falcons, as I've already mentioned, they manhandled San Francisco last week. I'm not picking the Falcons to win, but they ain't winning by six and a half. They ain't losing by six and a half points. No how, no way. It will not happen. The half point is the critical thing here, although I think the Falcons lose by just a field goal. Pay your mortgage. Falcons lose by a field goal. All right, final game right here at home. Colts at the Titans. The Titans minus two and a half points. uh, How? Why are they only minus two and a half points? The Titans and Derrick Henry off a bye? They're rested and off a bye? Has anybody paid attention? Yeah, I live here in Nashville. I grew up in Indianapolis. I know the Colts, I follow the Colts. The Colts are extremely overvalued. They're lucky uh, to be three, two and one, I believe. Lucky, lucky, they're overvalued. And I I know I'm old, but my memory says just three short weeks ago, Tennessee went to Indianapolis and won by a touchdown. Tennessee's at home and they're only minus two and a half? Are you kidding me? Pay your mortgage, Titans win by double digits. I'm going three and zero this week, join me. Support conservative voices, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash fearless and get $10 off your yearly subscription. All right, we're gonna go a little deeper into sports with uh, the Korean Cosell. The Korean Cosell, did I say that right? Yes, I did, the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim. Next. All right, welcome back. LeBron James's quest to be more than an athlete has diminished his athletic accomplishments and focused attention on his intellectual shortcomings. James's misguided quest to be seen as a social justice activist, talk show host, movie producer, and NBA power broker has demeaned the sport that made him famous. That's why ESPN and TNT, the NBA's television partners, will be forced to manufacture anticipation, excitement, and drama around James' pursuit of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time NBA scoring record. That pursuit kicked off Tuesday night when the regular season opened and James's Lakers visited the Warriors. Barring injury, LeBron James is projected to surpass Abdul-Jabbar in late January. The timing is poor. James will be hunting Jabbar at the climax of the NFL playoffs but the timing is really irrelevant. A true telling of James's legacy will encompass his degradation of basketball and sports. More than an athlete translates to, I'm not a dumb job. It's a slogan steeped in identity insecurity. It insinuates James is ashamed of his profession. It strips sports of its exalted place in American culture. It undermines the importance of sports. It disparages jocks. It's not an argument athletes should make. It's an argument best left to pundits, educators, clergy, parents, politicians, comedians, and other culture critics. Muhammad Ali did not demand that we see him as more than an athlete. He insisted we recognize his greatness inside the ring. At the age of 22, when he stopped Sonny Liston in the seventh round, Ali barked, I'm the greatest boxer of all time. I shook up the world. I'm a bad man. Ali's organic and authentic actions outside the ring made him more than an athlete. His quest was always to be the greatest boxer. LeBron James can't match Ali's authenticity. That's why he will never be as revered as Ali or Michael Jordan or even Tiger Woods. The main thing, competition within their sport, was always the main thing with the all-time greats. LeBron has driven athletes away from an intense focus on winning and dominance. Many athletes now divert much of their attention to setting up their post-careers. They want to be moguls. Competition is their side hustle. Cultivating and managing a brand that takes precedence over athletic feats. LeBron wants to be judged as more than an athlete. He's pointing us to his flaws. As a movie and television producer, LeBron James, well below mediocre. As a host of The Shop, He's every bit as inept as Magic Johnson was hosting a talk show. As a social justice activist, LeBron is an uninformed race baiter who gets his talking points straight from Twitter. As a political activist, he's controlled by the Clintons and Obamas and compromised by Nike's ties to China. I'm a writer and a columnist. It's the best thing I do so I insist on doing it. I'm perfectly fine with people judging me based on my work as a journalist. I won't be wearing t-shirts that say more than a writer. I'm not ashamed of my chosen professor. No matter how much money I'm offered, I'm not gonna launch a second career as an underwear model or porn star. Watching LeBron pretend to be a public intellectual is the equivalent of seeing me on the cover of Playgirl magazine. You would never read my columns the same way again. No one wants to see me on Playgirl magazine. That's what LeBron has done to basketball. When I watch him play, I can't shake from my mind all the other aspects of his life that he's forced me to consume. When I watch Jordan, Magic, Larry Bird, Kareem, Isaiah Thomas, All I thought about was how incredible they were as athletes. I don't enjoy sports the way I used to because I know way too much about the men who play the games. I know how phony, easily manipulated, and misguided they are. They've removed all the mystery by sharing all of their thoughts on social media. I'm a consumer. When I walk into my favorite restaurant, I don't want the chef to be more than a chef. When I visit a church, I don't want the minister to be more than a minister. As you read my column, do you want me to be more than a columnist? As you watch this show, do you want me to be more than a broadcaster? LeBron James' pursuit of Kareem should be a big deal, a really, really big deal. It won't garner near the attention and celebration it should because LeBron has damaged the popularity of basketball. He's made us evaluate athletes in a way that exposes their shortcomings. He undermined the magic of sport. He disconnected the game from its most passionate fans, the common man. ESPN, TNT, and Nike will do their best to restore that magic. Barack Obama, Jay-Z, Kamala Harris, Spike Lee, they'll all sit courtside while LeBron tries to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So will Jack Nicholson, Denzel Washington, and all the other Hollywood elites. It will feel like the Academy Awards, a night celebrity elites set aside to wag their fingers at the commoners. Well, short of Will Smith and Chris Rock agreeing to a halftime boxing match, I'll skip the game and catch the highlights. I'm now more than a sports fan. Thank you, LeBron. That's my fire. Uh, I wanna roll out to Los Angeles and bring in the Kareem Cosell, longtime Lakers fan, a LeBron watcher and follower. Uh, Steve, uh, do you think (laughs) LeBron will get, his pursuit of Kareem will get the kind of attention it would have in a different era?
0: Well, first of all, let me address this. Right now, I am a Laker fan on hiatus. Until LeBron James leaves, I have no interest whatsoever. And, and mm. I could, I, I'm just telling you, as much as I like, let's say, the Miami Hurricanes currently, I used to follow the Lakers that much. I mean, there was a time growing up in L.A. as a child of the 80s that their games used to be, at least their road games on KHJ, later became KCAL Channel 9. And I would probably watch at least 79 of the 82 games, and this is no exaggeration for about a dozen years, because the other games were on Prime Ticket, which later became Fox Sports. I was religious, and I can honestly tell you that as the Lakers were the winningest franchise in L.A. in terms of uh, world championships, they were the most popular team in our city by far. This was a Laker city, but I would say in the last 10 years, the Dodgers, despite only winning one World Series, I believe is the greatest unifying force we have there is now downright apathy if not disinterest in that franchise believe it or not i don't think i feel this way uh in a vacuum i talk to a lot of my friends now that feel the exact same way now onto your question do i believe that lebron james will surpass the great kareem abdul jabbar in terms of scoring yes And I think it'll be an all-time low in terms of interest because we don't really care. I I think overall basketball, in my view, it all began with the load management, the contempt that certain people like Greg Popovich had for the fans, and players like Ben Simmons have turned off a good deal of America. And I want to make this clear. Basketball is still popular. I don't want to make it sound like nobody watches it but it has been absolutely lapped by the National Football League and even college football to a certain degree. But when this happens, and it will happen because it's the main reason why LeBron is playing the games. not to win another title. He's realistic. He is now in the stat-padding phase of his career. When this happens, you're right. There's going to be a clamoring from a certain elite organization uh, on the ivory tower to tell us this is a big deal. But overall, I I think it'll be just a shrug. It's a great achievement, but no, it will not have the same impact as it did when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar broke that
1: record, I believe, in 1984. I'm wondering if it will be as significant as what Aaron Judge just did during (laughs) the baseball season in surpassing Roger Maris. And, And baseball is not front and center the way it used to be. Uh, but I thought that got it attracted my interest. I followed the Aaron Judge pursuit of the American League home run record. I, I'm 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 again, I think ESPN and TNT and their use of celebrities will try to make this feel like a, a, a big moment. But again, I just think with the real sports fan it's just not going to connect.
0: Listen, I thought there was a disconnect as it related to Aaron Judge. I, I brought it up. First of all, I hated the cut-ins to the college football games. but And I, and I know that you prefaced it by saying American League record, right. Because there's a guy by the name of Barry Lamar Bond. Okay, say what you want. He is still the single-season home-run leader. You cannot change my mind. I don't care if you disagree. Um, the bottom line is he was on a level playing field, just not the one you think it is, to take the words of the legendary track coach Charlie Francis look espn and tnt are in the nba business it is their job to be the megaphone they are business partners i get it but you know what's interesting jason what i truly believe is the most important nba signing of this off season, not of any player on any current team it's charles barkley if charles barkley is on tnt watching basketball that'll hold my interest i won't watch any games I won't. Maybe I will. If you force me to, because, hey, I'm a team player, I'll watch a few games here and there, but I will watch the NBA TNT segments as long as Barkley's on there to really give a no-holds-barred opinion on the sport, the current game, and those who play it. I find that far more interesting than anything that takes place in the NBA from November till about mid-April.
1: I... I Love that show, but I think like any responsible partner with the NBA or partner with the NFL or any of these sports leagues, there there are still places they can't go. Yeah. And and one of the places they can't go that is like we're going today. They Barkley, I believe, knows it, Kenny Smith, Shaq knows it. That LeBron James has diminished the game of basketball. That should be being discussed on ESPN, on TNT, that that is his real legacy, that that's what really disqualifies him from the whole Michael Jordan conversation. He did not elevate the game. He he did this attempt to elevate himself to Muhammad Ali status, and started, I'm more than an athlete again. This is stupid. The whole I'm more than an athlete Me, well, this thing I do here isn't that important. And and that is, there's truth to that. But LeBron James as an athlete shouldn't be selling that message because you want people. And the reason why people paid so much attention to uh, Hank Aaron when he's pursuing Babe Ruth or Tiger Woods going after Jack Nicklaus is because Tiger Woods felt like it's the most important thing in the planet. Hank Aaron felt like it was the most important. They weren't trying to be more than an athlete. They wanted you to celebrate them as athletes, and we did. LeBron has pivoted this whole thing into, and again, even Muhammad Ali, I'm telling you, he wanted to be celebrated as the greatest boxer of all time. And that would cement his legacy and allow him to have a platform to to do whatever he wanted post career or whatever, where I'm just LeBron has demanded that we focus on things that he's not very good at. The guy is great at dunking the basketball. Have us focus on that. Talking, making articulate arguments, uh, producing movie and TV shows. He's He's in the bottom 10% at all those things. But he wants us to focus on that rather than the one thing that he and only three or four other people on the planet have ever been able to reach his level. That's how I say he's undermined the game and undermined all these athletes. They, They have us thinking about things that they're not very good at
0: well a couple things people need to put away the muhammad ali comparison Uh, until you are an athlete at the very top of your sport the way muhammad ali was by the time he was just absolutely putting on brilliant performances against the likes of cleveland williams and ernie terrell and then basically have three years of your physical apex ripped away and then become an activist where he's actually on the speaking circuit not only to spread the message but also to make a living to be quite frank It's just not an applicable comparison in my view. It's very cheap, and it actually stains the legacy of Muhammad Ali, whether you agree or disagree with any of his stances. Also, if you're going to be an activist, um, your intellectual capabilities have to be higher than just average. I I am not saying that LeBron um, is a dumb individual, but he's far from Mensa. I am. Okay, you are. You can go there. You know what? Yeah. Let's be yeah. honest. I don't think he's that smart either. I really don't. There's a lot of other athletes <laughs> that I would listen to yes. before him. Now, I think he's a brilliant basketball player. That There's never been a guy this late into his career that's been that good. That even though, if let's say he's lost an inch off his fastball, he is still among the very best basketball players in the world. I've said at his best, he's a rare blend of Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson. And it's incredible, his overall floor game. However, that's the most appealing part of him. See, you're right about being more than an athlete. There, there seems, it got me thinking, Jason, as I'm listening to you. Somewhere along the way, a couple of years ago, um, the most empty thing you can do in modern day activism is, quote, unquote, like I told you, bring awareness. Okay, so athletes are bringing an awareness to whatever cause they want, right? Here's the question, though. Does that mean, as the public, because someone quote unquote brings awareness that we have to agree? See, that that to me is where the public and has to stand up, and also the mainstream media, which is absolutely gutless, will never actually push back and say, "Yeah, that stance that you're taking, um, do do you do we have the right to disagree with it?" See, that's the thing about Ali. Whatever stance he took, there was there was actually vociferous opposition. I mean, there are certain writers, like I believe Jimmy Cannon and Red Smith, they were really anti-Ali. And whether you agree or disagree with them, they had a right and they had the guts to state it. And Larry Merchant tells me all the time that when it came to Ali in that particular era, during his exile, in a year or two after, that there was a a real divide among the media, whether you were pro-Ali or anti-Ali. And to me, that's healthy. Now you're telling both sides of the story. But nowadays, if any athlete takes a knee, has a hashtag, raises a fist, and brings awareness, it's almost like they expect everyone to be in lockstep with them. And my view is you are absolutely allowed to bring awareness. And I'm absolutely allowed to not give a damn or disagree.
1: The pro- my problem with Le- 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 LeBron as an activist and particularly as it relates to Muhammad Ali, is like LeBron loves to shadow box. And what you're basically arguing about uh, Ali is that he went out and actually sparred with his critics. That he went to hostile environments and confronted people that disagreed with him and sparred with them. LeBron shadow boxes. He'll go sit down in front of Don Lemon, or some other fluffer, interviewer, that w- will basically co-sign anything he says and, and won't push back in any real way. And the questions are agreed upon and and no one ever challenged. He shadow boxes. It, shadow boxing is one of the safest things you can do. It's great exercise. I've done it. Uh, but. You never get hit in the mouth. You never get challenged. You never get any stronger. And it's a sign when you see somebody that calls themselves a boxer and all they do is shadow box. Eventually you go, you know what? This dude is afraid to fight. He's a coward. And so in the intellectual arena, LeBron's a coward. And that is part of why he's diminishing himself by trying to be more than an athlete. He's not built for these other things that he's trying to do. His great basketball skill is why they put on the shop and these other things he's produced, but those shows are absolute garbage. If we lived in a different time, he could be criticized, no different than the way Magic Johnson was. I I look and laugh at someone like Howard Stern who crushed Magic Johnson for that the, the Magic Hour TV show. And if that happened today, how, uh, Howard Stern would be celebrating magic and talking about how great it was. And you know what? They just need to put a little cap- uh, closed caption box translating magic. He's fine. And if you can't understand what magic is saying and it doesn't make sense, it's because you're racist. This is a great TV show. That's what someone like Howard Stern would be saying today, where back in the day he actually kept it real, and, and no one can keep it real with LeBron. Awesome basketball player. Let me enjoy that, LeBron. Uh, Grant Hill, Isaiah Thomas, uh, some of these other guys, they're actually smart. Let them carry the smart basketball torch. You carry the great basketball torch. I I don't, Wilt Chamberlain was, I don't know what he thought about anything. I know what Bill Russell thought uh, because he could actually back it up and say a few things. I'm I'm, I'm rambling. I'm throwing it back
0: to you. the magic hour, um, it really affected two careers. Tommy Davidson and Craig Shapiro, (laughs) they never recovered after being a part of that debacle. My God. Um, You know, the thing is with with Muhammad Ali, he did not have the option of just going to Twitter or social media, putting up some sort of missive, and then watching the retweets and likes pile up, and then thinking, man, I really stood up for my people. Uh, again, just raising awareness, tweeting, hashtagging, wearing a T-shirt. It's the probably the most ineffective, lamest uh, form of activism. And, it's, and it really is modern-day activism in a shell. By the way, speaking about the NBA generally turns off the fan that's on the fence, I noticed this. I, I didn't watch a single dribble of basketball yesterday. I just don't care. I'm not going to do it for a while. I got other things on my mind. True story. So I'm watching this thing. I guess Kyrie Irving um, actually impl- uh, implored our president to do his job. Yeah, Kyrie Irving is telling someone to do their job. The irony in that, but again, but he said, do your job and bring Brittany Griner home. And I could just hear the groaning of America across. I could see a lot of television sets going, all right. And it got me to think, this is funny, Jason. I was asked if I wanted to go to some Middle Eastern country for the weekend of November 5th. There's some fight going on in the zone. It's uh, Gilberto Zerto Ramirez against Dimitri Bivol. My expenses would be paid. They'd pay my airfare and all. They said, Steve, you want to go and maybe cover the fight? And I just said, nah. They said, why not? I go, well, first of all, I've got duties because I would never leave fearless. First. Second of all, Florida State, Miami that day. We all have our priorities. Rivalry game, I don't care how mediocre we are. Not missing that. Sorry. But the third thing is, most importantly, those Middle Eastern countries, some of them you can't drink. And knowing me, I'd probably try to sneak in a case of Schlitz or Corv Light. I literally might become Britney Griner. I wasn't gonna risk it. I said, no, 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 (laughs) no, 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 no. no." But there's a lesson to be learned. I know what I'm getting into. I wouldn't try to break the law in a foreign country. So no, I am not Britney Griner.
1: Well, I did not know that Kyrie Irving put on the, we all are BG flag, and I I did not know that. I don't don't think I needed to know that. I'm I'm upset with you for telling me that because I love Kyrie. (laughs) He didn't take the vaccine. He stood up, Uh, but he's got to play woke, I guess, who knows? Brittany Griner does need to be brought home. I don't know if that's Joe Biden's job. There's more important things uh, perhaps than, but anyway, I I, I, I digress. I want to move on. There's a story uh, Pro Football Talk actually had an interesting conversation. Chris Sims and Mike Florio, uh, the New York Post wrote about their conversation on Pro Football Talk where uh, Chris Sims insinuated that there's a chance Tom Brady could walk away from the Bucks during the season. Mike Florio said the same thing. Let me mm-hmm. see if I can find these quotes uh, normally, I'd feel like Rodgers would be that guy, but I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. But because of this year and some of the off-the-field stuff that's hitting home and personal stuff with Brady, this is, one, this is the one year I feel it might be Brady. Uh, it seems like, and I don't know this, that his wife, blah, blah, blah. Then Florio said, I have thought all along there's a chance Brady checks out during the season. And I mm. still think that happens. That's pretty fast. That's a pretty provocative opinion. Mm. What do you think of that? Any chance Tom Brady cuts bait midseason on Tampa?
0: If he does, it's a terrible look, and I've no, I'd have no sympathy for him. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I, I don't want to hear, he's earned the right. You know what's funny? No, he chose to play football this year. He went back on his word. Look, he put his marriage behind football which is fine that's his choice but with choices come consequences and look is it going to hurt his overall legacy probably not but would anyone in their right mind really support this decision and endorse it as being correct i'm sorry tom you knew what you got yourself into you made the decision live with it be a responsible adult don't let your teammates down stick it out and then call it a day
1: it would be one of the most shocking things to happen in sports, in my view. It, it, I I I'm sitting here trying to think of what I would compare it to if Tom Brady walked away at any. If there's just two weeks left in the season and they're out of yeah. playoff contention, and the guy says, "I'm what," I would be shocked. That would so, in my in Jason Whitlock's view, not the overall view, but in my view, that would really damage his legacy. And I I say that because they fired Bruce Arians, basically, or kicked him upstairs because Tom Brady didn't want to be bothered with him anymore. They've they've turned this organization upside down for Tom Brady. Uh, They let him skip a big chunk of training camp. They've they've given him days off. Uh, He gets to go to weddings and miss walkthroughs. They've bent over backwards. And then if this guy quit on them, I think it would be a horrible look. It's probably the only thing that could really diminish Tom Brady in my eyes, but it would.
0: Yeah, let's be honest. You can praise Tom Brady for the first, what, 20 years of his career. And we could also say at the end he was a quitting dog. Both can be true. Now, look, we're still only in mid-October. I keep saying it, the NFL football season, it is a marathon, not a sprint. So let's see what happens. Let's see where they're at. In mid-November, when you really start to get a gauge of what these teams really are, I believe his all-pro center Ryan Jensen will actually be returning. It is not a season-ending injury as first thought. That could stabilize the offensive line. But again, I have no sympathy for Tom Brady, no matter how this ends up. He retired. It was eight, nine months ago. He said, I'm going to turn the page. I'm going to work on my family. Well, obviously that didn't work out, but again... Uh, you are an adult. You made this choice, and I believe he has an obligation, just like any other player, to stick it out.
1: Scale of 1 to 10, how likely do you think it is that Tom Brady quits on the Bucs this season?
0: A 2. Because when it's all said and done, he is still a pro. He look, A guy like Brady has great self-awareness. And when when you're doing documentaries like Man in the Arena, which I thought was kind of strange for a guy that's not retired yet to do his own piece, I, I thought it's like kind of writing your own eulogy while you're alive, okay. But he realized, I think guys like this do care about their legacy, their impact, and their reputation. Someone in in his inner circle has to be telling him, Tom, if you quit now, this is going to be tough. This, this is going to be a black mark on an otherwise near-perfect career. That's my view, what someone has to tell him, Tom, you gotta stick this out.
1: I'm sitting here thinking this through, and and I know I said that it would damage his legacy, but there's one way that would mitigate the damage. If he quit and said, you know what, guys? My family's more important I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm quitting oh. to go try to restore my relationship with Giselle and my kids. It wouldn't excuse what, what he's doing, but if, if that were the justification, it would change my opinion. I, 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 I would. it, it would, oh, God. And, it would and again, if You're he, I mean, if he offered life. up. That is the reason, if he if he offered that up as the reason and was sincere about it, and he was able to fix his marriage with Giselle, I think I would grant him forgiveness.
0: So wait a minute, so he breaks his marriage to join the team again, and you're gonna praise him for using that? No, you are getting soft in your old age, Whitlock. I don't even know who you are. L- let me just tell you something, <laughs> You you stick this out, no. You know, that, that's like the, 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 the steroid version of when that player brings up his kids at the press conference. I hate that. It's so annoying. I, I get, get them out of there. They get in the way of my interviews. I hate that when they bring up family members and they don't want to be asked yep. a tough questions, so they use these kids as a prop. That's the steroid version of that, Whitlock. No, that would not fly with me. Not with me. Hardline Kim. Uh, I'm old school. You stick it out there, Brady. Get your ass on the field. You're not going anywhere.
1: All right, we're going to end with an approval rating conversation about Tua Tung-Viola and his return to the Miami Dolphins. All right, Steve, here's what I want to talk about as we unpack our approval rating on Tua. I I think I'm going to be offended this weekend because there's going to be all this marathon coverage and overwrought coverage Oh, Tua, he almost died on the field, and he's back now, and oh, every play that happens with Tua is going to be micro-analyzed and discussed, and oh, God, he, uh, he fell on a piece, a blade of grass hit his elbow, and it may have affected his brain, and it's just going to, And and what's going to bother me is that he's not the first, nor will he be the last player to come back from a concussion, Uh, I don't see this, now again, I stand by everything that I said previously about Tua, he may be too brittle for football, and if people, if they wanna have that discussion this weekend, I'm all for it. He may not be built for football, but what instead we're gonna get is a big entire conversation about how dangerous football is, and. How, what procedures weren't followed that didn't protect Tua, and are they bringing him back too soon, and blah. All, all of that is going to drive me crazy. And so I'm fully expecting to be annoyed this weekend by Tua's return to the NFL, because I don't like how the media is going to handle it.
0: Yeah, look, he's going to be scrutinized. Uh, but my view is this. Is the protocol the protocol or not? And is it good enough or not? If it's not, change it. And I think they've already made changes to it. I still don't get this, and I've never gotten complete clarification. That independent third party that cleared TUA several weeks ago, were they fired for not following the protocol, or were they fired because TUA got injured the week after and the optics – I, I don't think that's ever been really cleared up because if they actually followed the protocol and the protocol cleared for him, called for him to be cleared the next week against Cincinnati, uh, I, I don't understand why you fire that third-party um, organization. I still I don't get it. Either you're going to clear the guy based on the protocol and follow it or you're just going to go by optics the whole time.
1: They're just going by optics. Uh, so what's your? let's talk about Tua's job performance. Uh, what's your expectations on how he'll play this weekend and how do you rate his uh, job performance overall? I've got him at a 12, uh, and, and people see that. So, hey, well he's been out there, he's been pretty good. And the Dolphins have won. Availability is yeah. the number one ability, and if you're not available and he hasn't been, I can't go super high on your job performance. So I gave two a 12.
0: Yeah, I mean, look it's a good look for him in a sense that the other two quarterbacks the young rookie out of kansas state and teddy bridgewater it hasn't exactly been a prolific offense even with tyree kill and, and that other tr- uh, waddle Jalen waddle but, but the issue is you have to be out there one of the greatest marks of consistency any quarterback can have is just being out there 16 now 17 games a year and leading your team and being a productive player he was off to a good start. Unfortunately, he has not been there the last few games. I give him a 10.
1: Mm. Oh, even lower than mine. Interesting. Steve Kim off to a nice start. Yeah. Uh, character. Uh, I think this guy is really high character. I met him briefly out in California at one of Steve Clarkson's football camps. I, I, I think this dude is just a good, rock-solid human being. Uh great family i think he's a high character individual i give him a 23
0: yeah i actually want a 25 that's one thing that is really great about him is the way he was brought up the way he acts towards people there was a story in the miami herald about how every teammate really embraces this guy because of his ability to reach every room or every corner of that locker room Uh, i guarantee you russell weirdo in denver he's not doing that um, and, I mean, you want to talk about polar <laughs> opposites there. And, and when you speak to Tua, I see someone that is very earnest, honest, and with a lot of integrity and wants to do the right thing. I mean, Jason, I think part of the reason why he's coming back, whether it's it's wrong or right. He feels an obligation towards his teammates that you know what? I gotta sacrifice myself for the good of the whole. Now we could fault that for his overall health, but from a football perspective, I think that's very admirable.
1: Uh, you just called Russell Wilson Russell Weirdo. You yeah. just snuck in a pot shot at Russell Wilson in a yes. conversation about Tua Tungle. <laughs> yes. What, what, what's your problem with Russell Wilson? Did you
0: see that Subway commercial I, I just sent to you? Oh, my God. This guy is hopeless. I did see
1: it. Did you think Russell Wilson wrote the script?
0: No, but he agreed to it. He, he should have said no. He He's trying to be something that he's not and he's turning out to be phonier than a $3 bill. What an oddball. It turns out I didn't. I thought he was a nice guy, wanted the right things. No, Russell Wilson cannot lead this team. I think he's a complete bust. I believe Denver has been absolutely fleeced. It's probably the most one-sided trade between them and Seattle since the Louisiana Purchase. I'm just telling you it's a disaster. I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Was Seattle involved is a disaster. in the
1: Louisiana Purchase?
0: Well, in terms of the one-sided nature of the trade, yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, and when when I think of the Louisiana Purchase, I actually think of uh, uh, Lester Earl, the great basketball recruit, going to Kansas, uh, leaving mm. LSU and going to Kansas. They, they called that the Louisiana Purchase <laughs> in,
0: uh, in Lawrence, yeah. Kansas. Tarkanian used that line when he lost uh, uh, John Williams out of Crenshaw High School to Dale Brown. So, yeah, it's been used before, but... I'm just telling you, uh, Russell, I, I will guarantee you this, Jay. You've been in football locker rooms. If you were in that setting and one of your teammates at Ball State had an NIL deal and did a commercial like that, be honest, you would not look at that guy a little bit differently like he's an oddball? Come on.
1: No, I would, if you're going, taking me back to college, I would look at that guy like, oh, we can go to Subway together and get free food. He did a commercial for him. That's all I would care about. Okay, okay, whatever. So you, gotta, you gotta remember, see, see, I don't know what, what it was like for you, but when, when one of my friends had a hookup at a fast food restaurant, we hit that drive through <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, let's move to authenticity. We're actually talking about, uh, uh, not Russell Wilson, Tua Tung Viola. Uh, Authenticity, I think this guy is a believer. I love his faith. I love everything about his character and the way he represents himself. I gave him a 22 in authenticity. I think he is exactly who he presents himself as.
0: Kind of dovetailing what I said before, I gave him a 25. That's one thing that he is. He's a very nice individual that was raised a certain way and I, I Look, I can see why his teammates like him. And look, he's trying to do the best for the team, even at the expense of maybe his own brain cells. And I look, I've always thought the one question mark that never existed with Tua was him from a personal standpoint and his outlook on life and how he would approach the game. I, I can't fault him at all for his authenticity.
1: Uh, let's move to it factor as we wrap this up. Uh, I give him a 12. He's just not available enough to be a superstar. I think all the ingredients coming out of Alabama and his story, he was in position to be kind of the little guy that people rooted for or whatever, but hasn't been available enough. Uh, Now I can't get that image of his hands and everything on – TV and how crinkled up everything was. And so I think that's hurt his it factor. So I gave him a 12. I, I'm not, One of the reasons I'm not going to watch this game this Sunday is because I don't want to see highlights of that hit. And I want to see him laid out on the field. And I'm sure these networks are going to show it again. So I think that hurts his it factor. I gave him a 12.
0: It factor is interesting because I still go back to the 2000, I believe, 17 national title game. Georgia is just playing Bama off its shoes. It's 13-0 at the half. Remember thinking, Jalen Hurts is struggling. I actually said, and I tweeted, put in the lefty. And Tua brought them back, and in overtime, he takes a terrible sack. But on second and 18, he just shoots one down the field on a 9 route. I think it was to a Devontae Smith, if I'm not mistaken. And I said, that guy has it. And if it wasn't for injuries, he probably would have won the highest. And look – you could tell that there's an effect on that offense. No matter what Mike McDaniels dials up, you got to have that trigger, man. Tua has been the most talked about player the last month, has he not, for better or worse? Obviously, he must have something there. There is some relevance to him. Uh, I gave him a little bit of kind of a hedge. I gave him a
1: 15. Mm. All right. We both got him at a grease fire. I've got him at 69. You've got him at 75. Uh, Awesome job, uh, Steve. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow we may actually sneak in a little college football talk. Ball State's got a huge, huge game with Eastern Michigan. Uh, Could be critical in deciding who wins the MAC West. Uh, We'll break all of that down tomorrow. All of it. The whole thing. Uh, Anyway. Anyway, that's Tamara, I hear in my ear. You should be hearing her as well. That means we'll see you tomorrow.
2: No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been on a break in my back for freedom. Blessed, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want. I wanna be. I just want. I wanna be. I just want. I wanna be. I just want.